Hello, hello, hello. So before I go into today's brand new episode of the podcast, I just want to let you guys know that the next intake of the female fat loss program for September is now open and it will start on Monday the 5th of September. So just in time for when the kids go back to school and you'll be back into your normal routine. So it'll be the perfect time for you to get back into things if you've been kind of putting things off for when the kids are off. So what does the female fat loss program actually entail? It's a six week program and it's completely tailored to you with your tailored training it's perfect for if you want to use gym workouts home workouts doesn't matter what equipment you have it can be tailored to you whether it be bodyweight workouts whether it's going to be dumbbell workouts or kettlebell workouts there's not any hit it's just literally going to be resistance training and it will get you the results you're looking for so there'll be demonstrations with videos on this as well there'll be calories and macros set for targets for you that are tailored to you there'll be education training and nutrition around your cycling time of the month and how to work make that work for you you have a choice of the actual preference or home or gym workouts depending on what you have time for there's free recipe books as well the brownies are absolutely amazing so i definitely get get involved in those the recipe books are not a meal plan i don't do meal plans dietitians are literally the only people on this earth that are allowed to give meal plans everyone else is just googling it up so it's not a meal plan it's my fitness pal friendly recipe books so if you scan the barcode on the bottom of the page on the actual recipe book itself it will populate the, the, the ingredients and the calories for you into my fitness pal for you which is saves the hassle which is a bit that no one really likes in my fitness pal anyway so then we've got a facebook group which is where we will do our weekly q a's where we have our group and you'll have interaction there you'll have interaction with me and then we'll have our weekly check-ins as well and on that the check-ins will be done via email and you will have to fill in your check-in on a monday and then on a tuesday you will get feedback from myself so that everyone that's come through the program so far has had an amazing time so how do you know if this program is for you it's someone who's looking to educate and learn and get the results they're looking for that they've never actually tried to get or get the results they've actually tried to get then there's also someone who's looking for education around their cycle and how the body works for them rather than letting their body run their lives it's being a part of a like-minded group who can support and work with each other and that's the biggest feedback that's come through it is i can't believe how simple 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 it is one and i can't believe that the tactics that you use with us and teach us is so simple and it's really easy to do the other feedback that's come through is the weekly accountability is amazing the other support that's come in and the other feedback that's come through is the amazing support network that people have in the group and they've seen massive changes with that as well so if this is for you the next one starting on the 5th of september and the price is 169 for six weeks so the group link is in the actual write-up of this episode itself and then you've got one-to-one coaching as well so there is a difference the link for one-to-one coaching is different to the female fat loss program so if you want to sign up for the female fat loss program that is starting on the 5th of september click the link in the actual write-up or click the link in the bio pop me any questions but the best way is to apply for it and your program will be sent over to you the friday before you start and you can ask any questions looking forward to seeing you guys in there and i will talk to you very soon hope you guys enjoy the episode Really excited for you to listen to today's amazing episode with Ben Halden. So Ben is the one half of the Not So Fit Couple podcast with his uh, partner Lucy. So today's episode is it's it's deep and it's two guys having an open conversation about mental health. We talk about a lot of different things. So Ben is my coach Benji on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. He has an amazing podcast which I mentioned already, Not So Fit Couple podcast. And Ben, it has come from a kind of a bodybuilding training background. And now he's getting out of his comfort zone and going to do a marathon in the, the London Marathon later on this year. So we talk about an awful lot of things. We talk about gym anxiety, about how to get over that when you're first in the gym. We talk about cheat, day, cheat days are nothing to really be aspiring to. We talk about the fear of flexibility. And we talk about Ben's own difficulty with food and his eating disorder and recovery and stuff. So there is triggering information in this. So I will put that warning out there for you. Ben's journey is completely different to you on that journey. And your journey will be completely different to someone else. If you are in that bracket of someone who has an eating disorder, please do know that there is support out there for you. There are mental health charities. There are mental health supports. There are your GP. There are dietitians you can work with. There, It can be done. And it's important to know that it 
make you aware of that we talk about talk about weekends not ruining your progress we talk about muscle growth and alcohol the impacts of those we talk about the undoing mentality about undoing the weekend we talk about removing identity from certain things which i think is a really really open conversation that ben and i had we talk about well running ruin your gains and ruin muscle mass all that kind of stuff we talk about it's not likely that you're overtraining. it's probably that you're under recovering and then last but not least we talk about five reasons you're not losing weight so this is an amazingly open and raw episode it went down a different route than both of us probably thought on the episode so i really really hope you enjoyed the episode with ben halden ben how are we sir i'm good my man how are you i'm very good i know uh, i've tried to get you on before and i know you're a busy bee so thank you so much for coming on hey tommy thanks thanks very much for, uh, for having me Ben, for anyone who isn't aware of what you do and who you are, can you let us give us a quick little elevator pitch yeah. to kind of let us know what you do? This is this is always a weird one for me because I'm usually the the one asking other people yeah. for their their elevator pitch, and now being on the other side of it, it's, it feels strange. But I, when I speak to most people, I just tell people I'm a PT. That's the that's the ins and outs of of what I do. But if we want to fluff it out a little bit, I also host. A podcast called the not so fit couple and so do that with my better half i run an online coaching school and i also produce a lot of content across like youtube instagram and more recently tiktok like a little play around on there as well so that i'm generally producing fitness content or mindfulness content across those those platforms for my audiences and and some of the clients that I work with as well. So hopefully that kind of gives you some indication of what I do. But if not, you can jump onto my channels and have a little look at look at me having a few rants across different social media platforms as well. I've definitely noticed the shift over for you for the the mindfulness content. And we were talking off air about so kind of approaching someone in the gym and then you're kind of like talking to randomers and you're talking to a busker recently as well. Yes. Yes. Um, well, how that, did that, that kind of idea come about of kind of just approaching random people on the streets and kind of just recording it? Yeah. I mean it, it's an interesting journey for me because I've never been one extrovert who's great at talking to other people or great at talking to big numbers of people. And that's kind of what the job entails a little bit when you're a personal trainer or you're speaking or you've got a podcast. So for me, it was a big wake up call when I went to America because Americans couldn't understand what the fuck I was saying. So when I got back, I was like, right, need to do something about this because we've got quite a big American audience. And there's no point in me kind of trying to spread this message that I've got to spread if, if people can't understand what I'm saying. So the first thing that I did straight away was taking up elocution lessons. And then I was like, how can I practice speaking more, especially when I'm nervous and I'm not confident? So selfishly or unselfishly, I, I kind of set out with some of the content to get out and speak to other people, ask people some potentially vulnerable questions or ask people questions that I think a lot of people were potentially thinking about especially as guys but didn't ask um so that's how it kind of transpired into me just approaching people in the street having a chat with people and also just having encounters with people that potentially in any other normal day or walk of life I would never spoke to which is is sometimes quite nice because you meet some interesting characters as well and then the one that you just referenced there in terms of the guy in the gym the reason behind that was is because I had a lot of personal trainers and just people who would message me about, I've seen this such and such as guy or girl in the gym with, with really poor form or doing something unsafe, but I'm kind of a bit uneasy or not confident or how should I approach them? So I kind of just popped my camera up. I saw some guy in the gym who was um, clearly new to the gym and find my camera up, went over, approached him, had a chat with him. I think that the most important thing is just realizing that everyone's a human being at the end of the day so i think the most important thing if you're going to approach anyone in the gym or anyone on the street is just to to build some rapport straight away so what i'll often do is whether it's on the street or in the gym i usually lead with either an intro or, or a compliment most of the time because that tends into conversation about how we can do something or if it's in the gym how we can change or tweak a certain movement to improve and essentially not end up injured What's the worst way you've been approached up in the gym about kind of like form or what's the what's the worst thing you've done yourself when you approach someone on form? One of the occasions that I can remember from when I was 15, 16, and this wasn't really to do with form. It was just a guy who approached me in the gym. Typical big juice guy, old school bodybuilding gym. You're talking 15 years ago where social media isn't as prevalent 
and he, he was doing something weird, like doing circuits with deadlifts, bench press, something else. He clearly just made it up. And he's training with his top off. And he'd not touched this deadlift bar for, must have been 10 to 15 minutes. So I start taking the plates off anyway. And he comes up in my face and is like, oh, you, you, C-U-N-T. Um, I'm still fucking using that. What the, and like started literally kicking off on me, getting in the face because I'd gone to change the the place on the on the bar and I'm just like this little skinny kid in the gym for the first time and I think for a lot of people like especially even me thinking back that day I could have quite easily not gone back to that gym and I think that's the the thing that we've got to remember is when we have encounters with people or conversations with people it does leave a big impact on people because for us as trainers and PTs and stuff the gym may be not as a, a daunting place as it is for a lot of other people and people are self-conscious enough when they go in there. So if you've got someone who's a big kickoff, body language is kind of really aggressive and they're just plain rude to you, like it's going to put a lot of people off training. So for me, that was the biggest thing. And I was too committed to continue to go in the gym to let some big, you said, <laughs> spoiler for me. But I know that happens to a lot of people. So I think a big piece of, oh, a big no-no would just be to kind of just fly in off the handle or be super aggressive with the advice that you're given and i think the other thing to understand is that one not everybody wants advice or two not everybody's open to advice or takes advice very well so i think kind of the 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 best way to approach stuff is to maybe give people some feedback but then also back it up with positive reinforcement like oh i noticed you did this and we could potentially help it be better if you did it like this but you were doing this really well I think when you give people positive reinforcement from a, a psychology perspective, that just makes them feel a little bit more at ease about themselves as well. And how would you how would you approach it for someone who's potentially Mary or Jane or Larry down the road going into the gym for the first time? They're they're very scared. They've got gym anxiety because I think we've all been there. Like we definitely have all been there. And I think it's it's, it's important that, as you said, that your mate feel comfortable and you don't want to wreck that experience. But how would you kind of get over in gym anxiety? If you were kind of like working with someone or someone brand new to the gym, what advice would you give them? I think, well, for a lot of people, the most people are going to the gym on their own, aren't they? Most people aren't starting with with a PT. So, my general like three things are something in your ears that you enjoy listening to. Straight away, that cuts one of the senses off and stops you from listening to what other people are potentially doing or shouting or whatever else. The other thing would be to have something written written down on like a piece of paper or whether it's notes or a program or something that you're following anyway, because then you're not walking around the gym like a lost puppy. You've got some some direction, like a bit of a sat nav. You know where you're you're going and you know what you're doing next. The third thing would be, and this is super basic as well, it's just between sets, having a stopwatch, whether it's on your phone or whatever, because that's when most people tend to be getting kind of twitchy or looking around what other people are doing. Is he looking at me? Is she looking at me? And then feel judged. But if your head's down your time and you're looking what to do next, they're three key things for me, especially when I first started going to the gym, that really helped kind of like narrow down those senses of sight and sound. Because once you've kind of taken that away from being on other people, I think that helps you massively just keep your head within what you're there to do, which is to get better. Because it's a bit of a vicious circle. If you're too scared to go to the gym, and better yourself the whole reason you're there is to get to better yourself whether you're building muscle or losing body fat and if you can't build self-confidence in the place where you need to be it's going to be a vicious circle that you're never going to to really address it and i think the other thing to remember is not everybody who maybe glances over at you or looks at you in the gym is thinking you're a knobhead there's probably a lot of people thinking wow he looks good she looks good I've not seen that before. That's interesting. There's some people who are just generally inter- interested. I think that's natural human behavior. So don't always take it as a negative if someone glanced over or had a look at you. Yeah, that's great advice. I really like the, the music idea and kind of setting the stopwatch because it is like when you're in between sets, you're kind of like you are wandering around. Like your head's like this, just on a swivel. It's like what, are, a... what are you listening to in the gym? Me? Foo yeah. Fighters is my playlist. Foo Fighters. I like it. Foo, Foo, Foo Fighters and Repeater. I also found this other playlist you're one of these random gym dance yeah. things that one of my clients set me on actually it's probably the old school stuff old 90s dance music yeah i i sometimes listen to those spotify ones like i've been listening to some music for a while and then you get those radio mix yeah um, kind of suggestions i'll, I'll just go, i'll go the flow but sometimes Depends yeah, on what no. in. can't beat a bit of uh food fighters to get you to get you going you mentioned like i think it's obviously the like it's friday when we're recording this and one of the things mm-hmm. that kind of can come in is kind of like the, the the two words which is cheat days and it's a very like bro term and it's a very like 
because yeah, people see the rock rock would be probably be the prime example of like i have a cheat day of about ten thousand calories whatever it may yeah. be why do you think that cheat days are not something to be aspiring to for like most people it was interesting i just done a, a podcast with greg Dichette the other week we were talking about the rock quite quite heavily but i think there's a there's a couple of things that he does which are which are pretty bro there's a lot of things that he does that the rock does that are great but there's a lot of things that he does which are pretty bro um i think the reason why the, the term cheat meal isn't always great is because it has a, a negative association like if we ever think of anything in life which has the word cheat you're cheating on your girlfriend if you're cheating on meals if you're cheating on whatever it is cheats always deemed as a negative so i think if sometimes you associate that word cheat with meals or food it's naturally going to create those negative relationships with whatever you put after it um and i think the thing when we create poor associations with food is that when we label stuff we're, we're then affected by that term and that method for long periods of time such as a as a cheat day so i always remember my cheat days back in the days of like jesus christ <laughs> they were uh they were a complete minefield and i think that's what led to to my eating disorder ultimately further down the line and i think that a lot of people potentially have cheat days or cheat meals but they just don't coin it as that so one of the things that i tend to do now with myself and and with a lot of members and clients is that we potentially have if people are calorie tracking we'll we'll always include one or two days in there where people eat a bit more intuitively i'm always conscious of that term because it's different different meanings for it but having a day where we don't use my fitness pal having a day where you can take the crutches or structures away and just eat with like how you feel for that day and obviously that's not a an invite to a binge party it's just a day that you can just get up have breakfast do whatever be a bit more social be flexible because there's going to be times where you have to go away on holidays or go traveling and you can't always be tracking every single thing so those kind of days for me set me up to kind of almost train myself to be able to be more flexible like and that's what a lot of people need help with especially if they're, they're super restrictive but i think if you are one of those people who lives kind of their their life or eats and trains similar to what how nine to five works uh are going to end up fucking up at some point because if you're just always looking forward to the weekend like you do with your job you're always gonna have those negative associations i think what a lot of people do with those cheat meals or cheat days is that it's a window it's a window for you to fit as much food in as possible until that window shuts and monday starts again and like right i've cut everything else up the diet now i've got to do five days hard and then great saturday comes get the fucking red panties out we're going nuts we're getting the pizza in like everything's going off no rules then we just build up this massive guilt followed by more restriction and um it's it's what for a lot of people i think then gradually opens up those doors to an eating disorder i'm not saying don't go out eat with friends have a drink enjoy social life because at the end of the day that's what we want to leave a happier and healthier life not just a healthier life so i think if you can try and get like more of a maybe 80 20 or 70 30 split whatever way you work it is a lot more intuitive than you just going from fuck it mode to full-on restrictive all the time how did you bring in that your own flexibility and through your kind of your ed recovery mm -hmm. so what i had to do was like through when i developed an eating disorder you you can't you can't diet you, you can't stick to calories when you've got you've got an eating disorder I think that's the big thing that a lot of people need to realize so working with my through cbt and with my therapist that was one of the things that i really struggled with was to really stop calorie counting for a while and just start to have three meals per day two snacks and just eating and training which when you've been doing something for kind of 10 plus years that's fucking scary to do it's it's a it's a hard hard thing to do but that was one of the things that i had to do straight away was stop calorie counting and, and stop being so restrictive and then release to start i know it sounds kind of hippy dippy bullshit but just really starting to listen to my body and the food that i needed during that, that time and that's always really a hard thing for people to do especially for people in the fitness industry who it's their bread and butter like it's their it's kind of their the the kind of structure and the the thing that they need to walk through life and they they feel kind of lost or blind without my fitness pal and calories so when i was coming out like that eating disorder period it was a big thing for me to take that away completely strip it away altogether and almost think back to when i was a kid because when when you're a kid you don't count calories 
I mean, unless, unless it's kind of imprinted from, from your parents, no child's counting calories. So I was trying to go back to that period where I went as a child to go out, eat whatever, do whatever I wanted. And, and you were super active anyway, so I wasn't going to pile on weights. That was that was one of the hardest things for me was working with a therapist to kind of take away that real feel control of everything all the time, if that makes sense. I think the control they cut it with EGs and stuff like that, it does come back to an element of control and there's no, there's a massive fear element of it as well mm. it's like well if i have this i'm afraid the floodgates are going to open yeah and i think as you said you brought awareness to actually what you wanted and some people might say that's as easier said than done but ben did the inner work ben went to cbt ben went to a counselor and i would always say counseling is 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 the biggest thing like most people a lot of people would struggle men in particular do struggle to talk about their feelings women also struggle but men in particular, we do not like to talk about our feelings. Like we really don't. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say counseling saved my life. Like I wouldn't be here if I didn't go to counseling. And that's me being 100% honest. Like I would recommend someone to try it and people were like, well, no counselors worked for me. It's like, but have you done the homework they've given you? That's the biggest thing that I would say. Mm-hmm. If you've done the inner work and you've done the homework that they've given you outside of it, it will speed up the process for you. It's going to be uncomfortable. But so was saying where you are is uncomfortable. It's just man- it's just balancing out which one is more uncomfortable for you. You mentioned the weekends and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and obviously it's Friday when we're recording this, and a lot of people can struggle with that 80, 20, 70, 30, 60, 40, whatever split they want to go for. How likely or how, yeah, how likely is alcohol going to be affecting progress and kind of muscle gain? And how do you kind of drink without almost wrecking your progress because i think this is one of those things that a lot of people do struggle with they kind of want their cake and eat it or they want their yeah. pints and 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 still get results yeah yeah i think well for me that's been a a big part of the program that i'm currently running so i'm doing a lot of lifting and lifting and running at the moment and my whole 12 week program the first thing that i put into that program were was the weekends that i'm on the piss drinking eating meals away and then my training surrounded that because it's it's really important for me to have a good social life over the weekend and i think that would probably help a lot of people so for example on a completely different note kind of going off tangent i have a, a diary um and one of the methods I took away from a book that I read a long time ago was about sort of reverse engineering my diary and putting the things in that I wanted to do before I put the work in around it. So I suppose that kind of logic is now dictates the way that I do my programming as well. Because I think one, if you're someone who has got this, right, I'm going to do this 10 or 12 week training program, I'm going to commit to it, I'm going to do the diet, I'm going to do the training, I'm, I'm fucking tuned into it no matter what. And it's like, oh, Dave's asked me to go down the, the pub next week or my missus asked me to go to this party and oh, now I can't, whatever. I mean, you're never going to be able to plan for everything in life, like life throws curveballs at you. But I think if you've got occasions which you know are coming up, birthdays, weddings, whatever, like I've just planned those in for the, the, the weekends and then the training and everything else doesn't really get affected too much because I've already foreseen those happening. But I think the main thing that alcohol, for example, will affect is the kind of double-ended sword. So, Obviously, there's going to be on top of your normal day of eating, it's going to be like you're going to be doubling up on calories because you're getting liquid calories in. That's just one of those things that you have to accept or kind of try and shuffle back some calories from the day so that you're just not going balls to the wall. And I think what you do after that as well, obviously, most people go for a kebab or walk down to wherever and kind of throat fuck a subway or whatever they're doing from from town. So that's the other thing is just to be mindful of when you're doing that but it's easier said than done when you're absolutely wasted and you you're crawling down the high street so i think the other thing is the next day it usually affects a lot of people because as we know alcohol reflect affects sleep and recovery quite a lot so for me what i'll usually do is i will get up the next day and try and be as proactive as possible in terms of doing the basic things getting outside going for a walk get getting some water in um, I will potentially try and get a couple of tasks done around the house. Just more so from like a psychological point of view. You always wake up the next day if you've got a hangover feeling like I am the worst person in the world. I am a bag of shit. So I think if you can do some things which make you feel better and do some tasks which aren't super fatiguing, but 
are quite rewarding, then it's helpful for your mindset. And then if you can do something which is kind of low stimulus and low fatigue, doesn't have to be going in and ripping 300 kilos up from the floor or bicep curl and whatever. It could just be going for a stroll, being outside, having some kind of expenditure and getting in some fresh air. I think they're the biggest things. And that's why on my Sunday schedule, I don't have too much in terms of training planned in because I know we've got for Saturday on the piss. At least I've got a day to kind of do things that sort of make me feel good. I really like that reset kind of mentality that you have in relation to, right, let's see what I can do of like, right, let's aim for low-hanging fruit almost and saying, right, what's the least thing, least exercise-induced thing that I can do, whether that be go and do a shop or whether that be like do the ironing or whether that be whatever, maybe, or just go go for a walk with your dog or your your partner or your family or whatever, maybe, and drink some water. Like those things aren't overly difficult Mm -hmm. and they're quite easy and i think when you're when you're in a state of being hung over the, the last thing you want to do is climb a mountain so or go to the gym so or spin class yeah and it's not about trying to undo anything either i think that's a massive mentality which a lot of people it's like well why are you trying to undo having fun yeah. and you like you're making memories but you may not remember a lot of it but you'll make some memories <laughs> But you're not trying to undo anything. How do you kind of, how have you ever struggled with that kind of undoing mentality or that fuck a button mentality that a lot of people can get into? In terms of the, like with the training. I think the big thing like the undo it, yeah, undoing mentality is using exercise to purge. So, like, one of my biggest things with, with an eating disorder was that I didn't like what most people would say is like a purge would be maybe like, being sick so like bulimia but there's there's forms of like non-purge bulimia where you would just use exercise to expend calories i think that's what a lot of people will potentially do after having a heavy saturday even on the sunday or the monday will just either really restrict calories or be just balls to the walls blasting themselves into the ground of running bike skier exercise whatever it is and using it to kind of try and unfuck themselves for for having a good time and so and they lead to eating disorders which goes massively unnoticed because just for example if someone's daughter mum brother sister husband whoever is like i'm just gonna go and do some exercise on the bike for a couple of hours or do whatever people don't look at that the same way as someone who's physically making themselves sick to get rid of food and it can be kind of like a real difficult warning sign or red flag to look out for especially like if you've got others who you're potentially a little bit worried about people who are over exercising could be doing it for those reasons of sort of non-purge bulimia or um a different kind of scenario like the weekend they're looking to unfuck themselves when did you realize that you what was the signs for yourself or when did you realize that you needed to go and get some help because i think that's a massive when Mm -hmm. you're when you're in that lane or you're in that kind of place you almost feel it's like a normal it's a normal thing to be doing and i think it's also gonna be difficult for family friends to kind of approach you because you're like i don't have a problem yeah i think that's the biggest thing mate is like you you make your situations and scenarios and environment normal uh, and it's, it's pretty easy to do that even if your normal is not being happy so that was something that just kind of kept building up building up building up and i just used to compare myself to other people i think because you're you're in the fitness industry, it's easy to look at other people and think, right, I need to meet these standards. I need to meet these standards. For me to be a good coach, I've got to I've got to look this way. And that put a lot of pressure on me. Uh, but I think it 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 slowly got worse and worse and worse. And then I knew I needed to speak to someone about it. But then like as most guys do, just bottle things up, don't speak about it. Um struggled to open up to other people even even a partner about it but then it got to a real real low point where i can still remember it now sitting on the end of the bed one morning i think it was on a sunday morning so probably after a saturday big blowout of food and i remember just turning around to a partner listening just saying i just don't even want to be here anymore just i'd rather i'm that unhappy with what's going on and it's also my life because it's my job my career it's everything that I do. I've all. Oh, it's my identity, and I, as a coach, can't even stick to the things that I'm trying to preach to other people, which was like a real hard pill to swallow. 
So I was like, I'd rather just not be here. I'd rather just die. I think that that was the real time for me where it kind of like sunk in. I was like, I need to do something about it because I didn't think the one thing that I got into to try and be healthier and happier could be the one thing that really just took everything away from me. And that was the time where I was like, right, me and Lucy went on a walk, we spoke about it, and I decided to reach out to to a therapist. And probably without that therapist, I, I might not have even been been here today. So that's why I'm a adv- massive advocate of guys, but everyone in general, just, just speaking to people more. And then if you're one of those people who are potentially reaching out to people and asking how people are, try and really listen to that person. Try and listen to the people and engage what they're, they're, they're saying. Because I think there's one thing saying, asking people to speak, but also there's there's a lot to be said about being a good listener. Thank you for sharing that, Ben, by the way. Um, you mentioned the word identity, and I think that's that's cropped up probably on about three of the last kind of like 20 episodes in relation mm-hmm. to people get caught in that identity of being a nutritionist, being a PT, being whatever, maybe whatever their job is. How did you remove that or how would you remove that if someone was stuck in that like, that whole loophole of or pigeonholing themselves in I am this, I am that, and removing that identity element of it? I th- that's a very good question. I think it's super difficult for us when we're in something because I think what most of us will do with most scenarios, especially like with identity, we'll look at things in life with a magnifying glass because we're in the situation, we're super up close in it. It's it's immersive, it surrounds us. Whereas what we realistically need to do with a telescope, take a step back, gain some perspective, have some context about things and reflect. Because I think one thing that we we do often is is look way too far into the future and we don't see like how much we potentially change from from what we've done. And it was only through, I think, probably speaking to my partner, Lucy, I'm really opening up to her about things. And then her being honest with me in terms of things, behaviors, habit changes that had just really slowly crept in and hearing it from someone who meant a lot to me and who was external was like, wow, I do do that. I do do this. And that was another thing that was potentially difficult for me to do with social media was kind of talk about these sort of things and open up about it because I at, at, at first I felt foolish I felt like a bit of a dick but then to have that support from other people to kind of know I was doing the right thing talking about it helped me realize that I don't need to be this kind of like big macho macho guy with this ego who just identifies himself with a six-pack um so having that feedback from other people by just talking and opening up and speaking about things and being more transparent and having honesty and just being a human being, I think they were they were big things for me in identifying that I don't need to be or pretend to be someone else to be liked. Because I think that's what a lot of people will do. They put on a, a face or a front. And there's a lot of there's a lot of ego in the fitness industry and, and bodybuilding in general where people self-confidence and low confidence who go into it because they need a bit of a an ego pick me up and they think by getting bigger and being diced and looking good. It's going to help their ego and it's going to help them become a different version of themselves when it's a it's a thing that it's based on like self-perceived perfectionism so i don't think it, it for a lot of people it helps with self-confidence i think it enhances their insecurities and i think that's what it did for me for, for a certain period of time and it, it took a long time for me to kind of really get the reins back in and find the things that i was passionate about and enjoy doing and that's i think for me a massive thing that running has, has really really helped me with over the past year or two you mentioned the running thing and i know you've kind of got massively into it and it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people can be afraid that running is going to ruin gains or they're going to lose their i don't know their biceps while running or squads while running or calves whatever for feet whatever it is can mm-hmm. you kind of like what was the reason for you to kind of get into the running and then can you kind of like the mental obstacles that you face along the way and kind of the training and nutrition kind of around it. Obviously it's going to be tailored and specific to you, mm-hmm. but kind of like a rough guideline for someone out there. Yeah. I think I was, I was probably one of those people that in during lockdown got into running because I got fed up with doing pull-ups and sit-ups at the park. <laughs> <laughs> so running was the kind of natural next progression for me to do something a bit different. 
And I got hooked on it again because I was always one of those kids who was super active, did a lot of running, played football, rugby, cricket, golf, whatever, loved every single sport. I suppose almost bodybuilding robbed that from me as well. So it was nice to have a little bit of that back through for lockdown and, and really caught the bug from doing it. And then when you're one of those people who I think gets indulged in things very quickly and is super comp- competitive, then Lucy started doing it and she just recently ran 100K and now I'm doing the, the London Marathon in October. So <laughs> when you're one of those people who's competitive, I don't think you ever do things by heart. So started started really getting into that and started enjoying it. I think the one big thing for me from running was that it was one of the occasions that I could be outside, be mindful, be creative, think about things, and I couldn't be on the phone at the same time. So it was super useful time for me to just kind of be away from everything else, whether I was listening to my footsteps hitting the floor or whether I was listening to something in my ears that was motivating or educational or just something that made me feel good for the day. That was a big thing for me with running. And then I kind of found a passion for like, okay, how can I balance the two of lifting and running? Because when you look at most runners, especially runners who are serious, the quite small, slim guys. And I think there's always been that narrative that to be a good runner, you need to be built small. Um, so for me, I was kind of really playing around with things over the past year or two in terms of building some programming out for me where I could run and, and still be a bit of a meathead, essentially. <laughs> so um, I think the things to to remember is that like they do lend themselves to each other in terms of there are massive benefits for more runners to do lifting. And there is a lot of benefits for... for um, bodybuilders or lifters to do some running but i think the thing that you've got to remember is that like at the end of the day if you want to be a pro bodybuilder you shouldn't do any running how many how many bodybuilders are really doing any running they're not so that's something to be a hundred percent upfront about the other thing is it's a bit like a sliding scale like if you want to be if you want to enjoy both if you want to be someone who's bigger just do a little bit of running if you want to be someone who's a really good runner but just wants to hold a little bit of muscle put more gear more of your training towards that way it's not like a one size fits all it's, a, it's like a sliding scale you can change that volume up and down depending on what you want to do more of and that that's also the same for me like my running volume now is really increased and ramped up because i've got the london marathon coming up but then once i finish that i'll probably turn the dial a little bit and lifting will be prioritized again it's not something that you, again you don't have to pigeonhole yourself you can you can change things and i think that's the beauty of doing some some running and, and lifting at the same time but that's where i think schedule is important as well and nowhere to put those days in because running's uh an impactive and high fatigue exercise so making sure that there's enough recovery in there making sure that you're scheduling your lifts around your running days and listening to your body is going to be a big one as well um it's definitely important and i think one of the things that i fucked upon most when i first started running and 100 most people will do if they start getting into running will just be running hard all the time like 70 80 percent of my running is easy runs and for people who don't know what easy runs are they're essentially like where you're going out for a run which is for me around 150 beats per minute so in in layman's time where you could hold a good conversation with someone uh, and that's where 70 to 80 percent of my runs are the, the thing that and i think the reason why a lot of people get demotivated with running is because they go out and they're just trying to beat the, the, the time previous which is which is so hard to do by the way and so demotivating just to run hard all the time which is but if you if you really structured it properly you'd enjoy it and it's not it doesn't need to be hard all the time i remember interviewing shane finn so he's a guy from Kerry in ireland mm. and he has ran and cycled across america wow and he's also ran ireland i think uh for charity and he has famously said that like running never gets easy because that mm-hmm. first five minutes, 10 minutes is like, I guess, why am I doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. It's that brain is like, get me out of here. It doesn't matter what distance you're setting out to, but I can relate to what you're saying there, but I've gone back to preseason with football for the first time in 10 years at the age of nearly 35. And it's trying to find that balance between weights and running and trying to, f- and matches yeah. and recovery and stuff. I haven't quite got it. I also, I'm, I'm nearly 35, so I'm old as fuck. I'm going to fall apart in about no, two No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> 
You still got I it. Definitely am. I can feel it today after after preseason. <laughs> uh, first match next week. Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, no, I think it is finding that balance and about adjusting things. And like and like what Ben said is like you don't have to hammer yourself every single session. It's easier. You'll probably be more consistent if you're actually easier on yourself. And then build it up, build it up, build it up. It's the exact same with weights, exact same with everything that we ever do and what you say. And in relation to kind of like overtraining side of things, because some people call it under recovery, some people call it overtraining. Mm-hmm. What are the ways to kind of remove that whole mindset of that guilt of I've missed a workout, so fuck this? How do you kind of get away from that? Yeah, so just quickly, just to touch on what you spent there about even with weight training yeah. and the hard runs. Like it, it's a very stupid mentality to have a running just to go out and run hard all the time or try and beat you all the time because you would never go into the gym and try and PB bench press every time you went into there. You just wouldn't do it, would you? But people have the same mentality of running, which is um, a, a very easy thing to, to fall into. But I think with overtraining, mate, yeah, I'm, I'm very much into that kind of mentality that it's very, very, very difficult to overtrain. I think, if anything, I would argue more more people could do with doing more training. It's only people who, or athletes who are really at professional level doing several sessions per, per day, even that you could potentially start to to overtrain. And some of the some of the signs that are going to be obvious, like if people think, right, am I overtraining? Things that you can potentially look out for, like slow heart rate and recovery after training, um, increased blood pressure, um, sometimes heart palpitations are there, nervousness, anxiety um excessive sweating lower interest in training um really fatiguing on their loads in the gym loss of appetite these can all be signs of of overtraining but i think for most people most people are probably under recovering so it's just being on top of things like obviously sleep hydration nutrition and like we said then not going hard all of the time and then I think another thing is like it's good listening to metrics such as like if people have got Apple Watches or listen to data or using things like Whoop or Heart, use them as a guide, not a govern. I think some people absolutely live by them, and it's important just to listen to your own body and know when. Okay, do you know what? I do need actually need a day off, even if the data says that says that I don't. I love that whole word of kind of like don't let that govern. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people can get caught up like, oh, my sleep, my whoop band is saying this and my sleep is at that. But if you're waking t- up tired or you're on your phone before you go to bed, you're not you're drinking loads of caffeine before you go to sleep and you're not waking up rested, well, the body will end up keeping the score and the body's going to outrank everything over time. And I like what you said there at the beginning in relation to the overtraining side of things. It is difficult to do, but it's very easy to under-recover because mm-hmm. yeah. we live on a generation where it's almost pushed on us to be on the go all the time it's pushed on us to be stressed all the time it's pushed on us to like not sleep but now it's kind of like almost trying to revert back but it's a hard adjustment i've got that because you can get caught in the identity which is the thing we spoke about already the identity of having to work mm-hmm. all those areas the identity of being a parent the identity of being something but that's not coming from you that's what you think other people are thinking of what you want that's the that's the initial that's the, and that's people pleasing and people pleasing isn't about what other people want it's about how it makes you feel about helping other people and that's the ironic thing when it comes around to it um one of the the last questions i'm going to ask ben is in relation to losing weight because i think this is something we've both helped a lot of clients do over time and kind of i've had um a lot of people aren't talk about it but i think a lot of people will eventually will will hopefully listen to this rather than kind of going for those silly clubs or quick fixes in relation to the five reasons you're potentially not losing weight so i'd probably get a pen and paper out with ben dropping the knowledge here. <laughs> i think if you if you listen to like any coach or you listen to anyone who really knows what to talk about the the thing that or one of the reasons that is always going to be in there and straight away just kind of dis- dispels anything else is that if people aren't in a caloric deficit like that's just the the bare minimum advice um and i've had to i think it's a difficult one some difficult one sometimes because i think people have had issues with people just saying oh calorie deficit like it's it kind of simplifies a quite complex topic but then at the same time it is the topic it, it is the way that you will will lose weight and um a really just kind of like simple way to to look at that is how would you treat your dog if the vet said your dog was overweight? You'd, you'd reduce the portion size and you'd take it for more walks. But 
as human beings, we we like to overcomplicate everything, and we like to look for the easiest and the quickest route. I quite happily say to clients now when I'm when I'm taking them on that what I do and what we do when we're working one to one isn't going to get you from like A to B in eight to twelve weeks time. It's not what I'm going to do. What I want to do is get us to a place where you can continue after we finished, and it's going to be a longer period of time where you're going to learn how to sustain this via us working on ha- your daily habits and behaviors. And that is what will we'll take you forward. So I think straight away, obviously getting people into to a calorie deficit, the people who don't know potentially what that is, it's just where we look at energy balance in terms of taking less in than we are we are putting out. So we offset that energy balance so that we can, we can lose body fat. I think for some people though, that, and again, I don't want to <laughs> create bring up too many myths but that myth of i'm in too much of a deficit to lose weight um however that that for some people can be of an issue so if you create if you like if you bring your calories too low that can i think for a lot of people either stop or deter weight loss not because you can eat too little to lose weight but because what will happen is people will stop moving like one of the natural things that happen if you bring calories too low and your energy is too low is that our neat levels will drop. So the amount that, for example, me and you were sitting here kind of being, moving our hands, being fidgety, walking steps, what will happen is we'll get that natural offset of that people's neat levels will drop or your performance will drop. And the other thing is like, how hard is it to stick to something that you don't want to do as it is? Like, I fucking hate dieting. So to, to make it really super hard for yourself, for someone who's not potentially super invested in something anyway, is only going to make things short-lived. So don't go too hard, too quick would be, be my biggest piece of advice. Like, I think as human beings, what we should be looking to do is get more bang for our buck. And what I mean by that is like to have a calorie intake where we can get the, the most amount of food in, but still be able to, to lose weight because it's going to mean energy levels are higher. It means you're going to be able to have more sex. It means that you're going to lift better in the gym. There's a lot of positive to, to, have, to be in the high calorie intake. And don't get me wrong, there's going to be some people who need to be on a lower calorie intake or have to be or who enjoy kind of going lower calorie and higher calorie and having diet breaks or whatever because it works better for those. But don't go too hard, too quick would be a big one for me. I think number three would probably be, be not tracking properly. I think there's been quite a few studies done on this in terms of people's effectiveness of actually tracking accurately. I think when it was spoken about, most people were off by like 20% in terms of the calorie intake. So if you are using MyFitnessPal or tracking stuff, make sure that you do probably put everything in properly, even condiment sources and stuff, because I know it's one of those things that a lot of people now, especially with the, the anti-diet culture bullshit, is that every, there seems to be an attack on a lot of people who want to track calories or want to make progress. Like, do what you want to do at the end of the day. Like, if you want to track calories, do it, but do it properly. It's easy to let things sort of slide in under the radar and if you're putting in a lot of work and you are tracking and things are creeping in by accident it's going to really piss you off because you're not getting the progress that you actually deserve for your effort because these things are just sort of sliding in there um i think another one for me would be like taking things right back to the start would be calorie calculators i mean i use these quite often but i think a lot of people need to understand that calorie calculators are a moving target it's not something that's fixed so if you're using like a calorie calculator online or you're finding one online, understand that that's kind of like a rough guesstimate going off your age, sex, weight, height, activity levels. However, what I mean by the moving target is it can depend on like if things change in your lifestyle, where you're now moving more or moving less, or you could lose a shitload of weight. So you've lost like 14 pounds. Now those calories need to be changed and not applicable because you're not expending as much because you're now your body is way more efficient at doing the things that it used to do. That's just something to, to be aware of. And then I think fifth and finally, the most important important thing for me was what we briefly touched on before is habits. And the reason why habits are so important for me is because it's it's one of those things that people often look into the future in terms of like, this is what I want to get and this is what I want to achieve. However, what they won't do is, well, what I'd say is stop focusing all your energy into the future and more on the now and the actions you need to take 
to get you to the position that you want to be in. And that's why habits are important because we can control the actions that we have now. Like we can control, we can't control what's happening in like 10 weeks time, 12 weeks time, but we can start, we can start doing the things and taking the action that we need to have. And that will then dictate what our habits will be. So I think looking at habit building, like making things easier, more accessible, having positive reinforcement of the habits, and then also looking at habits that we want to get away from. So for example, I had a client do this week with the habits was lay some habits that she wanted to start implementing into her life and don't overdo it. And then the ones that she wanted to get rid of. And then we just, we track those habits on a, a week to week basis as well. So there's other things that you can track when it comes to losing weight that isn't just calories or exercise. Like a habits, habits are a real big one for me because if you can make some of those subconscious, weight loss or building muscle can become way easier just from from kind of focusing on those day-to-day things i love that and i love the habit side of things and i think one of the big points you made there was the whole point of kind of dieting isn't to eat as little as possible the whole point of the diet is that you can actually stick to it and i think when i remember listening to danny lennon a sigma nutrition he had someone on there kind of like can you see yourself sticking to what you're doing for 10 to 20 years if you can't well then that's the wrong approach for you it's not that you need to be in a deficit. It's that it's the style of approach for you that's going to work for you. It's like, mm-hmm. realistically, I like carbohydrates, so keto is not going to work for me. Yeah. And it won't work for majority of people. It was created for epileptic children. So it's not realistically going yeah. to work for most people. But I lo- like most people, when they... And I, I understand there's a time to push things. I've done very low calories. And I when you start talking about not being able to walk or not being able to like have the energy to even blink of doing a yeah. photo shoot prep, no, thank you. I will never do that ever again. Yeah. That was a one silly, silly mistake, but that was ego and identity driven. But like, yeah, yeah you have to, sometimes you have to learn from those mistakes and you get caught into it. But I think, um, yeah, there's, there's so much there, Ben. And thank you again for sharing your amazing story in there as well. Where can people find out about your work? Where can people work with you? Where can people find out about the podcast um, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, mate, so if you want to jump into the the Benjamin Halden Honey Pot. You can find me on Instagram. I think pretty much all platforms will be my coach Benjamin. And um, for my personal social media pages, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. TikTok's more don't take me too serious on TikTok though, because it's usually me messing around doing stupid shit and being a kid again and just not not um <laughs> not putting out too much fitness content, but just in just doing some stupid stuff. And then the podcast you'll be able to find on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, under the Not So Fit Couple podcast, where you also be joined by uh, my better half as well, Lucy. Amazing. Ben, thank you so much for coming on and sharing today. Anytime, dude. Thanks very much for having me. It's uh, been a cracking cracking conversation. I look forward to uh, to listening to myself back. <laughs> thank <laughs> as, you, uh, As being on a different podcast is quite surreal. It's for me. weird being uh, interviewed, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Big time. 100%.